Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast, episode 22. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. Um, we took a couple weeks off for the holidays, so we got a lot of talk about today. But um, the first thing that I kind of want to cover, just because we're, what, 24 hours removed from it happening, is uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation. Um, so as of last I checked, which we're recording this right now on Tuesday night, about 9.30 um, at night, he has been reduced from 100% oxygen support to 50% oxygen support and is obviously still alive, thank God. Um, so we're hoping that we see um, continuous improvement on that situation. He's obviously in our thoughts and prayers, but a super scary, surreal uh, situation. Um, you know, I turned my eyes away, you know, from the game for probably about five, 10 seconds. And I look back and there's an ambulance on the field. And I'm like, oh God, something must have happened for that to be out that quickly. Uh, pretty crazy uh, just seeing the players, you know, reactions and emotions. Um, and I'm happy that they, you know, made the very wise decision to, you know, kind of postpone and cancel the game um, in that moment. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Um, had a lot of different thoughts and I was watching the game as well. And, uh, you know, the first thing that you obviously hope for is that he ends up being okay. Um, which, you know, it sounds like he's on the right track, but you just never know for sure until you know. So um, I think absolutely the right move to postpone the game for a, a different date. Um, there's just no way that those guys can possibly play a game with his health, his, his life uh, in jeopardy, right? You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And those, the, the, as a teammate, right? Like, I mean, you and I were teammates, um, you, you become brothers with those guys. You spend so much time with those guys and uh, it really does become like a family environment in most locker rooms. And when you see something like that happening to one of your brothers, there is nothing that prepares you for that moment. And you sure as hell aren't ready to go play a football game when his life is in jeopardy. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so the NFL made the right choice. I, I, I posted a, a TikTok about it, John, and I do want to hold the NFL accountable. Um, because I don't think that the NFL really made this call. I think that the coaches and the players made this call themselves. Uh, I think that there was a second where they were going to try to play the game. And I think that the players just chose to not warm up. And I think the coaches took one look around and, and just had a feel for their guys and said, this is not right, you know? And I think yeah. that they made the call and it was the right call and went to the locker rooms and took them over an hour to officially postpone the game to a, a, a different date. And I, I just think that that's BS. I think that if that doesn't show you how the NFL truly treats and cares about its players. I don't know what does. Um, it instantly made me draw examples from, you know, even the college level. I mean, we talk about it all the time. The purest form of football is youth football through high school football. It's the best to watch, best to be a part of, best to coach. It truly is. You play it for all the right reasons. The second you get into division one football and up, it becomes about money and yeah. politics. And uh, I mean, I'll give you an example, John. There's, there's several times my, during practice, my teammates would either you know, someone would roll up on an offensive lineman's knee and you could tell that, you know, they're grimacing in pain, rolling around. You could tell they have a torn ACL or something very serious and that they're probably going to miss a significant amount of time. And they just move the ball 10 yards north or 10 yards south and just continue practice. And as they're still evaluating the guy on the ground, he's yelling in pain. I'm lining up at receiver uh, and I look behind me and, you know, my, my teammate, someone who I consider my friend, is getting checked for a torn ACL. And I know he's probably going to be seriously affected by that mentally and physically for the next year. There were times we had dudes have neck injuries in practice. And it's not just at CMU, and I'm not trying to bash CMU. I think this happens at 
pretty much as a standard from division one through professional, the practice time is so important that when someone goes down, they just move the drill to where you're not going to get trampled on and they continue practice. It's like, nobody cares. Um, that, yeah, there was a time I mean, when I had a head injury, dude. And the same thing happened. I, I mean, I like blacked out from a hit and I got up and like the whistle was still blunt. Practice was still going on. They just moved it like 10 yards away. I mean, I, it's just kind of a sad that it's gotten to that point. Obviously, um, you know, I'm not trying to speak for every program out there, but I think from a lot of, you know, college athletes will say the same. A lot of NFL guys will say the same, that it's sad how they kind of, you, as a player, once you're at that level, you're almost just treated as like a part of a business and they don't really care about you on a personal level. Um, and I just hope that that changes. And I hope that that's recognized. And a lot of guys were speaking out about that, um, you know, over the course of last night. And it's sad that that's the lesson that comes from this. And, um, but it just shows and you, you know, the NFL needs to do better for sure. Yeah. I mean, we shed some light on kind of some of those systemic issues on our, you know, athlete mental health episode where, you know, we had three guys, two from the same program. And then obviously one, one of your teammates kind of discussed like, you know, just the absolute grind it is to get any, you know, recognition or opportunities in the first place. But even when you get those opportunities, like you're still just a number at the end of the day and you're incredibly replaceable and it's all just one big competitive system um, where, yeah, there's politics and there's money involved. Um, and I'm sure that it was not a light decision by the NFL for those exact reasons. I mean, it probably costs them millions of dollars to, you know, cancel a Monday night football primetime broadcast and hats off uh, to um, Taylor and McDermott for, I think, mutually making that decision out think, of consideration. Yeah, I think it was more, I think it was more their call. Yeah, I really do. I think it was more their call and the player's call. And really there was nothing to think about. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty clear from the second that he was taken on an ambulance and that they were doing CPR on him, that this is a matter of life or death. And the second that that becomes a thing, I mean, that's foreign territory for everybody there. I mean, that you don't see that happen in football on any level. I think in the history of the game that I know, I mean, I talked to my dad about, it. I guess there's only been one player that he can recall dying on the field in his entire existence of coaching, playing and watching football. And it was actually Detroit lion. I don't know if you've heard about, I think his last name was Hughes. He died. He had a cardiac incident due to blood clot. Um, this was like 50 years ago. And it was in tiger stadium back when they played in tiger stadium. Hmm. Um, and he died on the field. That's the only thing he could possibly think of that came remotely close to this. Um, so this is new. I mean, the fact that it was handled so well by the medical staff and by the teams and by the fans, um, and by most of the world watching is, you know, I think that's something worth noting, but, uh, the speed yeah, at I, which that medical staff reacted, uh, more than likely did save his life. Um, so, you know, the condition that they're all attributing, uh, to, and which we don't know anything, I am not a doctor and we don't know for sure that this is what happened. But from medical professionals that I've seen speculate on this, what they think happened is that he was hit in the heart at just the right time during his heart's rhythm to actually upset um, the the, uh, the rhythm and force him into cardiac arrest. And apparently a decade ago, the survival rate for, for this was like 30-ish percent, and now it's closer to 60 percent, thankfully. And that's literally just because our, our medical staffs have become, you know, so good at reacting to these situations. Because had they not, you know, nine minutes without your own oxygen where you need CPR for that entire time, it's so serious, right? I mean, incredibly serious. Your brain's not getting the oxygen it needs. So, um, yeah, crazy situation. Uh, we're very, very happy to hear that he's at least improving. Uh, we, you know, he's from what it sounds like, he's not out of the woods yet. And he's still in very serious condition. 
Um, but at the very least, he is still alive. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing to watch the football community kind of rally around this situation. I think everybody was on the same page about their opinion on the game. Um, and also, I think his his fundraiser that he is doing for a toy drive is like crossed over five million dollars. So just the outpouring of community support um, and, you know, all these people that are obviously concerned for him and his health and his family. It's it's you know, it is uh, you, you want to take some positive out of these situations. It is kind of a breath of fresh air to see everybody kind of rally around that. So for sure, the, um, I think the vast majority of people were thinking and, and praying and, and hoping for the same thing. And uh handled the situation properly. And um, I think that that's something to know. You know, I think it really did, like you said, bring anyone who's in the football family, anyone who cares, watches, likes football, kind of brought everybody together and just makes you realize that it, it, there's always going to be bigger things than football. And this player's life is obviously so much bigger and he's so much more than just what you watch him play on, on Monday, Thursday or Sunday. He's a person, he has a family, he's, um, you know, so much more than just the athlete. And I think that that is being shown, at least from what I've seen in media and people talking about him. And I think that that is the true story, um, along with obviously the hopes that he pulls through and, and makes a, a recovery. So. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. And yeah, and I guess, uh, so we're going to hop into uh, some college football stuff from there and then get back into to NFL, uh, you know, um, try to get through the rest of this episode. I know emotions are weighing heavy for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, legacy broadcasters today kind of struggled to kind of get through their daily routines and talk about other topics. Um, but we, we got about two weeks worth of football we got to cover today. Um, so first of all, obviously as a Michigan fan, right, that, that TCU loss was brutal. Um, and look, we can boil it down to officiating to some degree, but at the end of the day, Michigan totally beat themselves, right? Those, they had three turnovers, it's absolutely inexcusable on that stage. Um, and, you know, Harbaugh's Michigan team, Harbaugh's offense prides itself on being a very clean team um, in all three phases of the ball. And time of possession and having a dominant, like, gruelingly slow, um, you know, exhausting run game to deal with is that team's identity. And as soon as you start turning over the ball and making mistakes, that identity goes right out the window, right? You cannot be that Michigan team and play like that and uh, expect to be the winner. So really unfortunate. Um, it was a super sloppy game. I, I wish that they, they came out a little bit more prepared. Um, part of me is just frustrated. Like these teams, man, they take a month off between, you know, the end of the season and the playoff game. And there's so much time for you to fall off routine, you know, for you to miss some details um, to the point that when you come back, you're just rusty and you're potentially not the same team. Um, and I think that's what we saw with that Michigan team and TCU absolutely took advantage of it. So uh, congrats to them. Um, and curious to see how it pans out, you know, against Georgia in, in the national championship here. Yeah, John, you're totally hit it right on the nail, dude. Um, they were the better team. I think Michigan, like I said, um, definitely the better team from a roster standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from really every kind of aspect that you look at, but were they the more prepared team for that game? No. Right. And um, how you prepare, clearly there's an issue with how Harbaugh is preparing his teams for bowl games. He does not have a great track record. And uh, you know, I've said it before on this podcast, there were times where we had bowl games at central and we would get time off. And I, you know, no matter what you do when you're home, whether you're running routes on your own, whether you're, you know, working out, like it's just not the same as practicing in season practices with your team and with your coaches and in meetings and, you know, once you leave that in-season mode and then try to jive, dive back into it for a 
huge, huge game, like a playoff game, you the better prepared team is typically going to win. And TCU, from the get-go, obviously was just better prepared, right? It seemed like they were in better shape. Uh, it seemed like they were more mentally locked in. They saw a lot of mental errors from Michigan early on on both sides of the ball, especially that first drive, right? They have a huge play. Donovan Edwards breaks free. Everyone's thinking, okay, this is how it's going to go. This is what we thought was going to happen. And then they don't get any points out of it because of mental errors, right? And you can blame play calling and stuff like that. They just didn't execute. They just not. They did not execute. They and, turned the ball over. They made uncharacteristic mistakes, as you've noted, and they got beat, right? TCU came ready, more prepared. I think you have to give credit to TCU's defense, who stepped up big time, not known for their defense at all, all year, uh, have had, had kind of a shaky defense, actually, most of the season, um, and they stepped up big time. I think that Max Duggan made some incredible plays under pressure. I mean, there was a couple times Michigan brought a zero blitz, um, which means you're basically, for those who don't know, you're bringing pressure and you're playing cover zero behind it, which is just man-to-man, one-on-one coverage. And Max just kept backpedaling, backpedaling, backpedaling and getting the ball out as he took a hit and delivering it accurately. And it's really hard to guard in single coverage. You're really banking on that pressure getting home. And Max didn't allow them to get home, didn't allow him to sack him, got the ball off just in time, knowing he was going to get hit, um, showing that Ironman characteristic that I talked about before the game. And he made enough plays to get it done. And I think just what a great team win for TCU. You know, that was, a, I think, a huge upset. I think that nobody really had them beating Michigan. I mean, some people probably thought it'd be closer uh, than people were picking. But no, I didn't think that they would go out and actually win. Yeah, uh, I had a really they, bad feeling from the, the that first drive, right, where you see that huge gain. I'm like, okay, sweet. There's there's our run offense that's obviously going. And then it just stall out in, in the red zone, which you do not see that Michigan team do very often and like just, just a loss of confidence in your identity, right? Like I, I know you said it's execution, not play calling, but to not trust your offensive line oh, yeah. to make the blocks, to go two yards there. That that's tough, man. Like, and, and you I, saw I, that leak stuff in. confuse me. You saw that leak into the rest of the game, John, as you said, right? The second you lose a sense of, wait, we're a smash mouth team. That's going to push everybody around. And they stuff you one time on the goal line you saw how it affected their play calling every other time they got close. I mean, they struggled to score and move and get uh, third and fourth down and short conversions the whole game. And that's not Michigan, Michigan. If you get a fourth and one, you're thinking you got this easy because that's what you're built to do. You get on the goal line, right? Roman Wilson gets called on the, on the goal line. No big deal. Next play. You should punch it in, right? Yeah, you should punch exactly. it in fumbling a handoff exchange. I mean, that's just a sign of rust and, and not practicing and, um, you know, you didn't see Michigan do that all season long. That wasn't a common thing. And it seemed like every time they got down there and the defense tightened up, Michigan, instead of doing what they've done all year and push people around and score, they just they couldn't find a way to move the ball. They turned the ball over. I mean, you can blame refs all you want. I'm not a part of that game. Um, the refs weren't great, but Michigan no, lost this it, game fair and square. I was about to say, the they, they weren't, they, but the refs didn't throw two interceptions, right? And the refs no, didn't fumble and, the ball at the goal line. So um, it's it's definitely rough. Um, and then, you know, moving on to that, it, it, look, Mark, hats off to you for kind of, I think, bringing the relevant, you know, talking points into both of these games prior to them happening. I mean, I think you, you really kind of, you know, uh, hit the nail on the head when it came to how Ohio state played Georgia. Right. And if it wasn't for a really bad kick, Ohio state would be heading to the national championship right now. I mean, it was a close, exciting game. Um, pretty much the entire time, the entire 60 minutes. So um, that was crazy. And I think that, you know, TCU probably is not going to fare as well, especially against that Georgia defense. I think uh, OSU was the team that could potentially, you know, uh, pick them apart. And I think they did a good job of that. And they just came a little short.
we said it for weeks, John, right? I mean, you heard me say it on the episode. I made it, I posted on our social medias. The team that matches up best with Georgia in the playoff is Ohio State, right? Before they even announced the playoffs, I said, Georgia does not want to get Ohio State in this first round. They'd much rather play TCU or honestly play Michigan. They don't match up well with Ohio State. And we saw that. I mean, they gave up 41 points. You don't see Georgia teams giving up 40-plus points. Um, C.J. Stroud picked him apart. Marvin Harrison was an issue in space. They tried to play a man-to-man. They tried to do this, you know, a couple different things in the secondary. But ultimately, C.J. Stroud was able to kind of buy himself enough time and find his open receivers. And there's really no one in the country that can consistently cover um, Ohio State's receivers. And if you don't sack C.J. Stroud, he's going to eventually find him in most games. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, barring some injuries and, and a missed field goal, Ohio State's probably winning the national championship because I don't know how well TCU would match up with them. So how crazy that would have been in, in a year for Michigan fans where you had everything. And not only do you not even get a chance to beat Ohio State again, you lose to a TCU team who then goes and loses to Ohio State. That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. And and if I don't care what team you're uh, a fan and of. Personally, been... I'm, I'm kind of uh, relieved to avoid that outcome for sure. Um, and I'm sure this Michigan team, look, uh, they have a guy at quarterback now, which I think has been kind of the problem uh, for Harbaugh Michigan teams is they haven't had a consistent guy at quarterback. I am excited as hell for next year because um, I think that run game is going to, you know, remain just as strong, if not stronger next year. Um, they have young receivers that I think, you know, got a lot of good reps in this year. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, you have you have so. a lot to be to look forward to if you're a Michigan fan. And the last thing I'll say, too, and, and we'll get into this more as the week goes on, but uh, obviously Georgia and TCU, a little preview of that matchup. Like you hinted at, I think that this is not the same matchup as TCU against Michigan, right? I don't I, I think Georgia uh, got their rust out of the way without having to lose a game. And I think that they got a little bit of a humbling call against Ohio State. And I don't think that they're going to take TCU very lightly. And uh, TCU yeah. got, and I think know, defensively they it's, have a, it's going to be an unreal tough. advantage. So it's going to be tough for TCU to even compete in that game. I'll be, I'll be honest. Now, last, last question for you here too, because I do want your opinion on this. But um, you know, both games had, and look, I don't love the way that we review targeting. I don't love you know how we go about it at the college level, especially. Um, but both games had what I would consider a pretty clear definition of targeting by the way that it's currently officiated Uh, the Michigan game and the, the Ohio and the Ohio state, I think both players, you know, lowering the crown of your helmet head to head contact like that those checked out on both of those hits. Um, And I think that they both potentially could have altered you know, the outcome of both of those games. So I'm curious what your take is on that. Um, And, you know, look, my opinion is, and I said this about, you know, uh, the reps in the NFL a couple of weeks ago too, for whatever reason, when the game's on the line and, you know, the calls can really swing the game one way or another, the reps are afraid to throw the flag, even when it's obvious and blatant. And like in the earlier parts of the game, you'll get like, really silly calls that didn't need to happen and seem like reaches. And then towards the end of the game, the last couple of minutes, you get very obvious calls that potentially, uh, you know, don't happen. Um, so I'm just curious on your take on that. And, you know, if you think uh, the reps were in the right by not calling either of those hits targeting. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the Marvin Harrison hit that you're referring to in the Ohio state game, I think was more obvious. 
I think that was the easier uh, call that was not called. Um, but, it, you know, I, I hate the way that it's set up, John, because it's such an opinion for the refs and, and it changes in every single game. You don't you never know. I mean, the, the, the rules are written pretty clearly of what it how you're supposed to call it. And it never is. It never is black or white. It never is a very clear answer. There's always going to be a gray, gray area that we're talking about it right now. I just hate the way it's set up. And it's such a huge thing, like you said, in college, because, you know, you you call targeting and that player is out of the game. It's so right. much different than the NFL, where if you miss a call, whatever, now you're just missing the yards. You take a starter out of a college team, you're really affecting that team. So I, you know, I think when in doubt, probably don't call the targeting. But I don't know. It, it's so hard, and I don't even know what to what to think of it anymore. The game is just, it's getting ruined by it. Honestly, I, I'm all for protecting the players, but there's so many times where you see targeting calls that aren't targeting, and you get this player removed from a game. I mean, that they play their whole life to play in. And, uh, you know, for one, and it's it's so much of the time, these are accidental hits that just happen so fast that you just, you know, where a receiver might be shorter than a a secondary player and he hits you in the head because, well, he's shorter than you. Uh, And it's hard to get lower than somebody that's shorter than you or, or, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of reasons that it happens. But most of the time it's not with ill intent. And I just think that, you know, it's a stupid rule. The way that they call it is dumb. Um, and it's, it's affecting college football negative negatively for sure. And it's making it harder on the reps to make the right call, you know, I because agree. of and that. I don't think the outcome of either game should be tilted like a, like a, by a call like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, like that, those both look like the, the clear definition of, of what targeting is. So that's the thing is it's, it puts the ref in a tough situation because it's like, okay, you're supposed to call this consistently, but also, you, you know, as well as anybody else does that this could seriously affect the winner of this game and they probably don't deserve it. Right. Michigan sure as heck did not deserve another chance on that fourth down. And it, regardless yeah. of the fact that I think that call counts as targeting, like that they did nothing to earn another chance on that. So yeah, uh, it's definitely wild stuff. Um, John, I'm curious to see your thoughts on the, uh, you know, could stay in there in the college, in the college uh, football talk, but also kind of gives us a way to get into the NFL talk. Harbaugh, he did the same stuff last year where it seemed like there was these rumors flying around. He, if the right job in the NFL opened up and he got the offer, he would take it. Right. Uh, he ends up staying and has the year that they had, which is a lot to be proud of for Michigan. Same stuff's happening already, you know, within days of losing to TCU, the same conversations are starting to happen. To me, I just think it's the dumbest thing ever. I'm curious to see what you say. But to me, it's like if you're Jim Harbaugh and these rumors are flying around and you know that he knows these rumors are flying around, it is as simple as a one press conference, one tweet, one post to say, I am not entertaining these ideas. I'm committed to Michigan to save your recruiting class, to save all your players. You know, I don't I don't really know what the deal is there, but why he's hesitant kind of makes me think this is a legitimate rumor. Well, so. What I clearly remember from last year is that Harbaugh took an interview with the Vikings and then Harbaugh came back and said, I don't plan on doing these shenanigans every single year. Right. And then I liked a tweet earlier today that I'm trying to find, but from what I remember, Harbaugh said pretty much verbatim, like I look forward to coaching, you know, this Michigan team in 2023. Right. And so if that's what he actually said, um, and I'm sorry that I can't find the quote like right off the, the tip of my fingers right now, 
But if that's actually what he said, then I don't understand why these rumors are circulating. Is it because the Colts are like doing everything they can to try to court him? Well, that's not his fault, right? I mean, uh, yeah, so I mean I... it's it's interesting. Look, it, when there's millions of dollars that gets involved and all of those other things, I get that like it adds a lot of gray to the situation and that nobody's words in that moment like totally matter as much. Um, so I'm sure these rumors are going to circulate. Um, but right now I'm of the opinion that I don't think Harbaugh currently plans on taking an NFL job. And I don't think he will probably consider doing that until he wins a national championship with Michigan or he retires. Like, I think those two outcomes are more likely than him going back to the NFL for the time being that might change, yeah. but that's what I think is the most likely outcome in my opinion is that he is back coaching Michigan next year. And I think all of the hearsay and rumors are exactly that rumors. So I would agree with you. I just, I just don't know why, if they are such rumors, why he doesn't make a very, very strong statement saying, you know, for now, I'm not leaving. You know, I'm here. I'm committed to 2023 and this team. You know, because it's you, you, you put the risk of losing recruits, of having guys transfer, all that stuff becomes an issue. Uh, if I were the head coach and there was rumors, I would, and I didn't want to leave or wasn't going to entertain the idea of leaving, I would make it damn clear that I'm not leaving this year. I wouldn't say forever. I wouldn't say I'm stuck at Michigan forever. But I would say 2023, I will be your coach. And we will and go I, and like, try again, to win from, from what I understand, I think that's exactly what he said at one point um, in the past week or two. Like, I think that is like those words came out of his mouth. Um, and, to, uh, you know, obviously he could always come out and make a stronger statement. But at the same time, if you're getting calls for somebody to pay you tens of millions of dollars to come coach your football right. team, I'm yeah. sure you're at least going to take the damn call. So. Exactly, which is why I think <laughs> that's why he's not coming out with a strong statement, because I think he is entertaining the idea. I don't think he's leaning towards leaving, but he's definitely keeping his phone ready and w taking calls and hearing out what people are offering to pay him. And, you know, I, I don't well, I don't think that he's untouchable right now. I think that someone. I, I don't disagree with enough. you, but it, wouldn't that be anybody, right? Like, I mean, I guess, you know. but there's some guys. I mean, I don't know. There's some guys that are pretty locked into where they're at, and uh, you know, does he? How much more money does he really need? Michigan pays him pretty well. He's at his. He's an alumni of the school. He's had success there. He seems pretty well liked. I don't know. I don't I, know. And I don't think it will boil down completely to payment, too. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So, look, yeah. we can sit here and speculate. I'm sure there will be plenty more speculation about this on, on future uh, podcast episodes. But, uh, yeah, personally, I, I think it is much more likely than not that he is coaching Michigan next year. Um, moving into the NFL, so slightly different format because we took a week off. But uh, we are still going to essentially just – recap last week's games like we usually do and kind of look forward ahead to week 18. Um, there might be some tidbits from, you know, the Christmas weekend uh, that are worth covering. Um, I'll take a quick glance at some of the games right now and see if that's the case. Um, but for the most part, we're just going to kind of be business as usual to the best of our abilities and, you know, kind of to some degree covering ground from the past two weeks. Um, so let me share my screen here and we'll get moving on that. So first games first, um, Cowboys versus Titans. And look, I don't know what happened to this Titans team. I mean, I get they're missing their starting quarterback, but like seven and nine from a Vrabel team is crazy to me. Um, yeah, I mean, well, they, John, this game is like it's worthless to even look at because they didn't play their best guys, um, you know, because they're kind of in an all-in situation next week. It's a win to get in with Jacksonville. So right. they knew that going into it. And I think they, I mean, Derek Henry, didn't, a lot of guys didn't play that probably normally would play. 
and I, I know I hate that when it gets to this point in the season, that kind of happens in, in some situations. It sucks uh, as fans. It sucks, but it is what it is, right? Like they went out, they competed with what they put out there and obviously wasn't enough to compete with Dallas. Well, would it be out of line uh, to suggest that I'm not feeling too great about their odds next week against um, uh, Jacksonville? I would either? say that they're going to – I would say they're actually probably underdogs to try to beat Jacksonville. Jacksonville is one of the hottest teams in football. Trevor Lawrence is one of the hottest quarterbacks in football. Their defense has gotten better all year. I would not want to play the Jaguars right now. I, I sure as hell wouldn't either. So, I don't know, man. It just feels to me that this season – uh, you know, and I know they fired their GM and all that stuff, but the, the Titans just kind of lost their identity this season and uh, yeah. will be, will be, you know, I don't want to overreact here, but I'm definitely curious to see how Vrabel responds in the off season and how he potentially jibes with, with the new GM. So, uh, John, really what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts on Dallas potentially can compete and win the division now? Oh man. It's we've been, it's, I've been <laughs> saying that all year. I don't know how much I know Jalen Hurts has been out, but. Talk about falling apart here. I mean, the Saints are not a very good team to lose to them, you know. Yeah, but look, look, I got to say this much. I'm still getting the exact same vibes that I get about Dallas every year. It's like I I look at their record. I look at some of the teams they've beat, and it's like, okay, this team should win a couple playoff games. And I don't know who they're going to get matched up with just yet, uh, depending on, you know, how these final week standings happen uh with their division winning and you know who ends up being the one seed and all that fun stuff but like holy shit man (laughs) like it just once again feels like it's gonna be the same situation so i guess we'll see what happens maybe not i get you i get you Dak has been horrible by the way he's not he hasn't been good all year he hasn't been very good all year i know but he's been real bad in december and that's the part of things that you have to be i mean uh he has i think the highest interception to pass attempt ratio in the league right now like that's yeah, he's not been very good, but that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a believer in Dallas either. All I know is that, uh, that division that seems like it was the Eagles to lose while well, they're losing it. It seems like, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, and I guess looking, I don't, who do the Eagles play next week? Do you remember? Um, I do not remember. Well, that's fine. Cause I can literally just click one tab over and check it out. Um, the Giants. The Giants. So look, they should win that game, but they might not. But they should. So, guess we'll see what happens. Um, Cardinals Falcons, kind of a nothing burger of a game, because uh, you know both teams' rosters are completely depleted and they're playing for nothing. Um, I mean, Ritter had a pretty like decent game for a rookie trying to get his feet under him. So I'll give him that shout out. That's pretty much my only takeaway from it. Yeah, t- terrible game. Bird shit game. I like it. Bird bowl. Bird, bird bowl. Bird shit. Are there, are, there's more bird teams than there are cat teams, right? Yeah. But I would, I so, would guess so. In, interesting, you know, division to keep your eye on would be bird teams versus cat teams and, uh, you know, how things pan out. Cause, you know, Jaguars, Lions are playing a lot better lately and the Cardinals not playing so good. So, mm-hmm. um, and the Bengals, don't forget about the Bengals. Oh, I, I definitely, well, they've been playing good. Um, yeah. Man, they they look crazy. Um, I, I, it sucks that that game uh, got canceled because, man, that Bills Bengals game was already oh, shaping was... up to be something magical. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they're going to reschedule. It sounds like if they were to reschedule it, they'd literally have to shift the entirety of the NFL playoffs by a week, which is like not unheard of. But I, I think it's more likely. Yeah, I don't know what just... you do. I mean, 
honestly, John, I don't know what you do. I don't know what the solution is, um, but I don't know how you can just leave it as is because who would be the one seeing the AFC? Do you, you can't just give it to the Bills, right? I mean, if the Bengals right. were to win that, if the Bengals were going to beat the Bills that night, which it looked like very well could have happened, I mean, they were winning the game and moving the ball fine. Who, I, I don't know, right? Like, or, well, or do, do they call that a draw? And then those teams have one less win on the record, and then KZ wins, and then yeah, I, I don't know because we talked about how important the one seed is in the AFC for all three of those teams. Right. Whatever one of those teams is the one seed is going to be a heavy favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, going through Buffalo, not easy. Going through right. Arrowhead Stadium, not, not easy, easy, right? That, that Bengals home crowd, Uday Nation, not easy to go there and play. So. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I think you have to play the game eventually. I just don't know how they do it. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. It's. I mean, the implications are huge. So huge. I'm definitely. I'm huge. definitely curious to see how they go about handling that in a way that no team feels snubbed. Because, like you said, whoever does get that one seed, like they have a way easier path to the Super Bowl than the other teams. Yeah. Um, Moving on to, to Bears-Lions, and look, I know that we're beating up on a, a horrible Bears team, I get but, like, This man, felt good. Oh, it felt so – it just felt good because, like – and I've been saying this all season. I'll pull up the stat, right? Lions have 17.5 sacks this year just from rookies. That's not including anybody else in the defense. That's just rookies, right? I mean, Houston, probably the best deal of this draft. I mean, bar none. Hutchinson is definitely living up to expectations, being the only rookie in NFL history to, to come away with, with three interceptions in his first season. Um, I mean, Pascal's coming into his own. I know he's been hurt most of the season, and obviously Rodriguez is a stud of a linebacker. So it's just got, and you know, who's not listed here is Kirby Joseph, who also has a few interceptions and some really great open field tackles and some sacks on his season as well. So uh, it's just pretty awesome to see. Um it has you excited because man, you think, okay, one more draft class with a little bit more of a defensive focus and maybe we can actually, you know, become a pretty competitive, serious defense. And like with the way the offense has been playing, right. They don't need to be a number five, number 10 defense in the league. They just got to be average. And I think with the way these rookies are shaping up, that average is definitely possible. And as long as the offense stays consistent, man, serious stuff next year. Yeah, it just felt good. I don't even want to talk about next year, John, because we have so much to still talk about this year with the Lions, right? I mean, everything is still right there. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write, I'm not gonna write them off yet. I'm not gonna say that. For, Seattle, for back to rooting for the Rams, though, right? I mean, I, I thought hate. I was done rooting for the Rams. But... I'm okay. I'm okay rooting for the Rams. The Rams in Seattle played a close one not too long ago. I, I, I listen. We're putting our hopes in Baker Mayfield. Um, I, we've seen him do some impressive things these last few weeks. Um, it's a home game for LA, you know, I know that doesn't mean much for LA fans cause there really isn't any, um, but I don't know, man, I don't know. I'm not going to write the lines off as we, oh, as we, I have not written them off and trust me, it will be absolutely electric and you will be there, um, in person watching it happen. If that four o'clock game ends up going to the Rams and you know, going into that game that whoever wins oh, this yeah. is getting that yeah. in the playoff. And look, I got, I got to shout out Green Bay too, man. Like, you know, it's one thing to go from one and six to being a playoff team, but their odds were looking just as dismal. And uh, Aaron Rodgers to, to you know, go and kind of make this offense productive enough to get it done. And obviously their defense really keeping them in a lot of games. I mean, it's 
Don, it's we said awesome. it all. We said it all year, I, and I, I, it took me forever to say that the Packers are dead, but I did eventually even say it. Um, there were weeks you were like, "Dude, how can you possibly defend it?" I'm like, "Just because." Wait, and then eventually I joined you and said they're dead. They're not dead, right? That receiving core that we kept talking about. If they just figure out their receiving core, they're gonna be a dangerous team, right? This defense is young, but it's good. They have a good coach, right? They still have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, people were trying to say to play Jordan Love and just let this be a development year. Aaron Rodgers said, F that. F that, dude. He is back. The Packers are back. They're a dangerous team. Um, they're a win and get in. And they play against a Lions team that they're pretty uh, familiar with and that they don't like very much because we beat them early in the season. But I'll say this. It seems to me a little bit, you know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but it seems to me the Packers kind of think that they have it. Right. I think they're totally underestimating the Lions. I think that they're banking on Seattle winning. The Lions won't be playing for as much. The Lions want to win this game badly no matter what. I'll say that much. They want to go in and spoil the season for them, even if they're not a win to get in situation, which I hope it is. Um, because yes, I'll be at that game and it's I'm hoping for it to be the most electric uh atmosphere possible. And if Seattle loses that four o'clock game, I am going to be feeling myself pretty good. Pretty good going to that game. And I'm, I'm going to be repping Detroit as hard as I've ever repped the Lions. Um, yeah, I, I I think either way, it's going to be an exciting game just because I think the Lions still feel like they got something to play for by spoiling the Packers' playoff hopes yeah. um, regardless. So I think either way, it's going to be insane. And I agree. I think the Packers, you know, like generally you're like, oh, we win these games at Lambeau when it matters and the season's on the line. But what they're counting out is that this is not the same old Lions. Um, I think that, you know, this is a statement game regardless of uh, if the Lions, you know, have a shot to make the playoffs in it or not. So I can't wait. I'm pumped. I'm super excited that uh, it got bumped into a primetime slot Sunday Love night it. football. I mean, couldn't ask for anything better than that. It's gonna best be versus best. I, I mean, it should be. It, it needs to be. I, I just... I don't know. I feel like if the NFL is scripted, which it very well might be, Seattle loses because they want this game to be a win to get in. I yeah, mean, come on. I mean, it's too good to be true, right? Look, it, I, it couldn't possibly happen. It's it's definitely, um, you know, the greatest conspiracy in, in NFL history that it's scripted so that all of these narratives play out in exactly the most exciting fashion that you could possibly imagine. Um, I mean, probably best kept secret in the world, if that's the case, considering how many, uh, you know, moving parts there'd have to be in order to do that. But at the same time, I can't help but think if that Ram Seattle game is close that, you know, somebody's going to be slipping the ref a couple hundred bucks to, to, you know, make a bad PI call or something like that. Have so. you heard, have you heard of the rumors <laughs> of Matthew Stafford returning to beat Seattle to help us? Help us out. I've, speaking of conspiracies, that's another one I've seen is that Stafford, come back just for this game. You know, you owe Detroit <laughs> this opportunity and we'll take care of the rest. Like, that's that's hilarious. I don't think that's going to be uh, the result, but Baker Mayfield's playing asking, good football there. So Yeah, dude, people keep talking about like, oh, Stafford will come back. He'll save us. Well, he didn't save us in Detroit. He'll probably come back and throw four picks and send us right back home. You know, so I'd rather see Baker Mayfield go out there and try to win the thing. I don't trust Stafford. He, he never he never was very good for the Lions in their playoff odds. OK, so let's just let Baker do his thing and hope Sean McVay figures out Pete Carroll in the Seattle defense. And let's ride with Baker. Yeah, I've I'm, seen Baker I'm do it. I've that. seen Baker make a comeback 97 yard drive against 
against the Raiders. I've seen it. He could do it. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. Um, Jags Texans kind of a nothing game, obviously, but statement um, though, statement yeah. game. I mean, they blew them out. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, and like you said, man, like they are they are the AFC equivalent of the Lions right now. Um, they are playing some really good football, especially offensively. Um, they're doing a lot better. So uh, curious to see. I mean, again, like the Titans really feel like they're up against it in their matchup next week. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, and Broncos almost getting it done against the Chiefs. That was crazy. Um, and hey, congrats. Just in the nick of time, Russell Wilson got it done. He's officially thrown more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his home. Never so. a doubt. Never a doubt for good old Russ. Never a doubt. Uh, we believed in him. Um, Hackett got Wilson. fired since our last episode. Hackett, I don't think Hackett was fired. Yep. Um, I think it's sad. It sucks because I think that he ended up taking taking more responsibility than Russell Wilson, but that's just how it is in the NFL, right? The coach is usually going to fall before your franchise quarterback that you just paid $220 million. Yeah, you can't um, get out of all that dead cat, but you, you can't, can't get, get out, out of that situation. Yeah. So unfortunate for him. Um, I don't want to completely blame him. Obviously he didn't do a good enough job to remain as coach, but Russell Wilson's probably just as much to blame as Hackett is. I just don't think that that relationship was meant to work. And sometimes that happens. So sucks to see, um, but they competed with the Chiefs. Good team, right? This this Broncos defense has kept them in a lot of games this year. Uh, Russell Wilson still, you know, bad interceptions, uh, still didn't play super well. Had a couple rushing scores, though. So he got that part of himself back, it seems like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't look too much into this. I mean, I just think that uh, it's a division game. You know, not surprised it was somewhat close. Um, Chiefs still won the game, you know. So and I don't think the Dolphins Pats came down to the wire to to a, yeah. a good degree as well. And man, like this Dolphins team, which again, like it is hilarious because I think like as you know, we're human at the end of the day, and we kind of forget how long an NFL season is. And you see a team with, you know, seven or eight wins at the midpoint of the season, or seven or eight losses at the midpoint of the season. You just assume, okay, this team's a playoff team. This team's not a playoff team. And we're very wrong about that on a couple teams. We're very wrong about that with the Packers. We were very wrong about that with the Lions. And another team that I might end up being very wrong about is this Dolphins team. Honestly, midpoint of the season, if you asked me if I thought the Dolphins were a Super Bowl favorite, I would have said yes. Their offense seemed unstoppable. Mike McDaniel seemed like the right coach for them. Their defense was getting the job done. Everything seemed to be going in their direction. And now their playoff hopes are completely on the line. And it's just, it's, you got to love it, right? You got to love how, like, everybody acted like McDaniel was such a massive step up from Flores. And, you know, looking at it from the outside and seeing how he started the season, I think everybody would agree that's what it felt like just for him to end up with what might end up being the exact same result or record or, you know, placement within yeah. their own division. So it's tough, John. It's tough. I mean, you come in to a, uh, you know, first year head coaching job and and you have really a lot of well-kept secrets, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff that he's helped develop and learn from Shanahan that the rest of the league hadn't seen yet, he displayed and it was hard to stop and they were hard to predict, hard to prepare for. But once the team starts to get a read on you and starts to kind of recognize your tendencies and what you want to call in certain situations, you can see, 
you know, mix that with some injuries and some tougher opponents, this is what you get. Right. So, um, I'm not going to bash McDaniel. I think he's done a great job in his first year. The Dolphins oh, he's a phenomenal a rough, job. rough, rough path here with injuries, especially your quarterback position. It's really hard for any team to have their quarterback get hurt and still compete in games. This Patriots team's not very good, I don't think. I, I but they're in a win to get in next week. You know, right. it, it's just like and, and now the Dolphins might be in a very similar predicament. So it's it's definitely interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, not a slight on McDaniel whatsoever. I think he is going to do a great job in the future coaching. Um, and I think you make a great point that nobody really knows what to expect with him, you know, for the first eight weeks. And now they have a little bit more of a read. Yeah. Um, and what you mentioned with Tua, though, right? Three concussions now in a season. Uh, you got to start bringing player safety into question, right? I mean, obviously, if this if the Dolphins up, end up winning and uh, making the playoffs, I think he will be back in the playoffs. But there's a part of me that for his own safety, like, do you want to advise against that, right? Three concussions in one season is a lot. Um, it's something you you rarely see out of any player. And we know that the more concussions you get, right, the high, exponentially increasing likelihood um, that you end up having some long-term negative uh, side effects from that. So, um, you know, curious to see how they handle it, um, especially with the scary situation going on uh, with a different player. Um, obviously his is a cardiovascular issue, not a brain issue, but regardless, like player safety matters a lot. Tua is very young and has a long career, hopefully ahead of him. Um, so I'm curious to see how they handle that. I am too. It's, uh, you know, but as you've said, right, the NFL and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a do it for me now business, right? It's a, uh, win now industry. And that pressure goes from the very top all the way down to the players and staff. So. You know, I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there, but we'll have to wait and see, you know? Yeah. And look, there's a lot of boomer football fans that are like, oh, you're a multimillionaire to play this sport. Like injury is a part of it. And like, while there's some merit to that argument, I suppose, like these are still human beings at the end of the day. And if we can, you know, not take years off of their life, I think that would be the preference. So um, there's a human element that I think matters a lot there. Yeah. Um, Giants blowing out the Colts and I believe clinching a playoff spot with this. Am I, yep. Is there is there any way that they don't make the playoffs now or are they for sure in now? They're in. Got it. So they are in. Yeah. This was this was their this was their ticket in. That's um, right, because the commanders choked it away, which I have choice words about that. If you guys saw my TikTok short <laughs> post yeah, today. They, uh, um, you know, I think you gotta give them credit, right? In Dabble's first year, pretty pretty hot star, and then a little bit of you know, mixed emotions in the middle of the season, but they're in the playoffs. However you feel about him, however you feel about Daniel Jones, can't dispute the fact that they're a playoff team this year. And I think not many people thought that was going to be the case coming into the season. Sure as hell, not me or you. Um, so give them credit, right? They're in. And uh, all you can ask for is a chance to go into the playoffs and compete. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think they'll make it far. <laughs> so uh, you guys, everybody knows I've kind of been hating on the, this Giants team all year just because I don't think they have I mean, similar similar feeling as they have with Dallas. But obviously, Dallas is a lot better record. Like, I just don't think they have the tools to get it done. Truly, at the end of the day, when it boils down to it um, for different reasons. Right. I think the Giants in general just don't play that great of football in three phases. I think they make a lot of mistakes. Um, for the Cowboys, I think it's just the off. I just don't think the offense is there, and I don't think the quarterback's there. I think the defense is whole, totally holding up their end of the bargain. So, um, 
Moving on to Saints Eagles, this feels good. And it sucks that, you know, freaking Tampa beat the Panthers because otherwise the Saints would, believe it or not, still be in the playoff race. They are officially out. Uh, Buccaneers clinching the division. Um, and somehow we're about to finish second in this division. That's crazy. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, it's been a, a dismal, pathetic season um, from the Saints, but it has been nice the past like four or five weeks seeing, I'd say, Saints playing defense the way that I've known them to play defense the past couple of years. Um, and the offense looks better, but not great. Um, really curious to see about this entire Sean Payton situation. It sounds like worst case scenario, we get a first round draft pick out of him coming back to coach regardless. Um, but personally, I'd much prefer to just see him come back to the Saints, right? The whole reason he left, as it turns out, was because him and Tom Brady were supposed to like go become part owners of the Dolphins and do that whole thing together, and that didn't work out. And then I think the Dolphins are the ones that got punished for it or whatever. So I'm not sure if Peyton wants to come back to the Saints. I don't know if he wants to see other options. But, uh, you know, personally, I'd love to see him come back. So I, I hate to crush your hope, but I don't think he's going back to the Saints, pal. Uh, who's a better option right now? I don't think Dallas is firing McCarthy. Uh, they very well might if they don't win a playoff game. That's very true. Um, Colts are on their knees begging for Harbaugh to come, and I don't think that's going to happen. So maybe they're a viable option, but I think part of the reason why Peyton finds the Saints unattractive right now is their quarterback situation. And the Colts are, I think, the number one team that you can look like look at and say wow this team has an absolute mess of a quarterback situation so, i know i i just don't see him i i think he wants to get back into it but i think he's gonna write i think he's gonna wait for the perfect situation he's not in a rush i don't think and i think that that dallas job is what he wants and i you know i don't know what's gonna happen to dallas in the playoffs but if mccarthy is like oh you know the first call it's gonna happen sean payton and that is a hard job to turn down so i i, I don't want to crush your dreams yet because maybe you never know, but I think he left the Saints for more than just the Miami thing with Brady. Uh, I think there was I, more. I know to you it. say that you you don't want to crush my dreams, but I think you actually pride yourself in crushing my dreams. So yeah, I mean, I let me have this. I love crushing your dreams. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'll let you continue to talk about it, and I love that you have this hope. Um, I just don't know if he's coming back, man. I think he left for a reason. And uh, yeah, to become part owner of an NFL no, team. No, I think there's more. I think there's to more coach to the that. goat. I think there's more to that. Yeah, that that entire thing sounded like a crazy tall tale to begin with. So I guess it's kind of a good thing that it didn't work out because Peyton and Tom Brady, with the way that offense was structured over at Miami, would have been terrifying. Um, but anywho, also uh, for those listening, I apologize if you hear my cat meowing. I am doing my best to mute myself while mark is talking so that you guys don't have to deal with that but in case it picks up um you know she just likes me a lot i don't know um panthers bucks there's nothing other really to say here other than i'm confused how the detroit lions lost to this panthers team i get certain matchups just work out a certain way and it was an incredibly frustrating game to watch with uh actually my girlfriend's family on christmas eve while them you know sitting there saying the lions stink and they're pissing away their their playoff hopes while they were just getting the ball rammed down their throats for the entire 60 minutes. But then this Panthers team comes out to, I'd say, a defense that's probably just as bad as the Lions defense. I mean, their entire defensive line is non-existent from injury. 
And yet somehow the Bucs win this game and they do let up a lot of points. They do let up a lot of yards, but the Bucs win this game and clinch the division. And Tom Brady, once again, Tom Brady is in the playoffs. And John, are we, I, it just feels like nobody, including us, is talking about the alpha in the room. Tom Brady and the Bucs have looked horrible for most of the season, but it's Tom Brady. And we've seen Tom Brady and the Bucs already win a Super Bowl. We've seen him do it six other times with New England and some New England teams that weren't very good, you know, weren't, weren't, wouldn't, wouldn't be considered great teams. But that dude, that quarterback, in the playoffs with a home game, a couple things go their way. I mean, it's Tom Brady. And no one's talking about these guys as a legitimate, like, threat. And the NFC isn't exactly loaded. Dude, it's just, it, I don't know. No, you're it's right. Crazy. And that's the frustrating part is like, what, what do we have to do to rid ourselves of the curse of Tom Brady at this point? Cause this, I mean, you, you know, this a, man is, he's a bachelor now. He has nothing dude, better to man, do than to keep playing. This football. is a man that had pretty much, I mean, the only thing that was ever going to distract him or take him away from football is gone. I mean, his, Literally. his, his, his marriage is gone. Right. Uh, he's fully as committed to football as he has been in a long time. I, I feel like and I feel like he has more to prove right now than he has had in a long time, which is crazy to think about. Um, but the greatest, greatest, greatest of all time will they'll find little things. They'll create things in their head to get themselves psychologically motivated. I mean, Michael Jordan would literally pretend that someone said shit about him so that he could go and score 60 on him. Kobe would do the same stuff like the greatest greats, the most the highest competitors we've ever seen in sports. And I put Tom Brady right in that argument. He's a psychopath, dude. He, 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 in his mind, he thinks people have written me off and he wants to prove the world wrong again. That's what, that's what drives the success that he's had his entire career. This underdog, it will not leave him. Um, and it's very scary. I sure as hell wouldn't want to go to Tampa and play them. I don't care who it is. Um, and I sure as hell wouldn't want to have Tom Brady come into my home field after winning a playoff game the week prior. No. And, you know, I don't know. To me, it just seems like not a lot of people are talking about it. And there's the Minnesota. Are they for real or not? Or is Philly going to figure it out? Or is this Dallas team good enough? Are the Lions hungry enough? Is Are the Packers this team to beat? I'm hearing a lot of stuff in the NFC. Not hearing a lot of stuff about Tom Brady. And, of course, like, because I agree with what you said about him being a competitor, him finding ways to win. All of these things are true. But there is some degree to which Tom Brady is also the luckiest MF on the planet. And to be in the sole division in all of the NFL this year, where eight and eight wins you the division. <laughs> Luck, or did he know when he picked to go there that that division right. wasn't three, great? He's like three years ago. He was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know how much of it's luck. I mean, luck only happens so often, and that dude is—he's seems to have I, it all figured the, out. I think the football gods just blessed him. I think he's. I think they're, he they're is like, the football god. I think he is the football god. Who's football Satan then? Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, and and to to play off of that, right? Like the reason why I mentioned Aaron Rodgers is because the media treats him like he's the worst quarterback, right? All, all the connotations you get about him is like, oh, he's selfish. Oh, he throws temper tantrums on the field when things are going his way. He's everybody, you know, he loves the camera. Blah blah blah. They make him out to be this egomaniac, and then Tom Brady's just a golden child star all the time. Can do no wrong. Is the perfect. NFL player. Yeah, listen, I'll get like <laughs> as I just said, like Tom Brady 
in the playoffs scares me. Okay. But I'll, I'll jump to this and I'll say that I am completely horrified that if that game does become a win to get in game, Seattle does blow it against the Rams. I am not ready to be hurt that badly by, by Aaron Rodgers in person. He's, I'm not. That's his career, man. He has crushed the Lions hopes and dreams and, so many but times. John, it hasn't happened like this in a long time. It has. It's been like five or six. Well, what? So they, what was the time where you had the. I think it was 2013 when they, when they beat us to. Yeah, like the questionable like face mask call or whatever that threw yeah. into a Hail Mary and then yeah, I think But there was, was also a year, season. was that the year that we just need to win to beat them and to get in? There was a no, year there was a win. No, for, so for we us need to get in. we need to beat them to win the division in that situation. And so we were fighting for the division at that point. And he and he stole it from us. That was at Ford yeah. Field, though. I just don't Correct. think I'm ready to go into his home in a title town. You know, get the whole tour of the place. It's like, dude, town. you know what it is? It's literally bringing someone over to your new house, giving you a tour of the whole place, treating you like, you know, like you're the king and then just killing you, like literally murdering you. That's what it feels like. It's like, hey, yeah, buddy, come on in. Here's my yeah. new, this is my new basement pool table. Look at, pour yourself a drink here. Yeah, I got the nicest bourbon on the market. Boom, boom, boom. Next day, he's just a serial killer kills me. No one ever hears from me again. That's what it feels like me going into Lambeau. Dahmer's inviting you over to his house. Literally, and dude, I don't literally like yours it. next it feels, meal. Something feels off, dude. Because if that, if that game does become a win to get in and we don't win, I'm going to be a wreck. I'm going to be sad because yeah, it's set I, up so perfectly for the best story ever. Right. And, you know, I hated on the Lions all year. And now I'm a believer. I've, I've become a believer. And just to get my heart ripped out, I just I don't want that to happen. If if Dan Campbell wins that game and does make the playoffs, I think coach of the year easily, right? I think you put it. I think him and Doug Peterson are in the conversation. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Sirianni's got to be in there too, just because yeah, of how quickly that that rebuild has happened. But like, man, everybody loves a good underdog story. So we'll see what happens. Um, okay, choice words about the Commanders, right? And I, I posted a short about this. So let me get this straight, right? You are two and four with Carson Wentz as a starter, right? Everybody's already saying you're dead this season. Dude, not just two and four. They were the, like, remember how bad we talked about them? Dude, horrible. They were the worst team in football. No doubt about it. And not only that, but there is so much, like, sometimes you got a good quarterback on a bad team. There is so much blame to put directly on Carson Wentz for why that team was playing poorly. Do you remember how bad they lost to the shitty Lions? Like, we're talking the yeah, old Lions. We're talking correct. the first half of the season Lions. They got Held on to the ball to take sacks, tries to make superhero decisions, super reckless, like, just not the guy, period. He's terrible. He's so, been two terrible. and four is a starter. Then you get Taylor Heineke coming in off of a Carson Wentz injury. And Taylor Heineke earns the love and affection and appreciation of his teammates, helps turn the season around, has a lot of moxie, you know, just has control of that team and goes 5-1-1 one, and one as a starter. And then you bench him. <laughs> you bench John, him let me ask- in a game you need to win to keep your playoff hopes alive. It was, yeah, it wasn't like it was like a nothing game. It was literally like you no. still control your destiny, like win. No. Dude, okay, let me ask you this, John. We'll just throw <laughs> analytics completely out of this. Let me let me ask you something. You're, you're a receiver or you're a lineman. Okay, you're a lineman for Washington Commanders, and there's a quarterback who's you know top draft pick, nice guy, uh, religious guy, nice family man, 
Uh, and you know, when you win games, he offers to take you hunting and he buys you like, you know, you know, whatever, a, a trip to go hunt ducks. Okay. And then the other guy that you might have to be blocking for is a younger guy, underdog, you know, undrafted kind of has a cool story. He buys Jordans for every single game that he wins in the color of the other team. He's now buying you Jordans for every game that you win. Um, he's the other quarterback. Who would you pick? Probably block, <laughs> you know, who I'd would probably, you want to play quarterback? Probably block for the cool guy giving me shoes. Duck not hunting, the guy that's, yeah. Duck hunting and, and reading the Bible together on, on, you know, after a game or getting a new pair of Jordans and having a dude that slugs uh, beers with you on the plane after a game. I mean, I don't uh, know. I think I know who I would pick. Um, I think most of the league would pick the same guy for some odd reason. They gave up on him and they went back to their old ways. And like they just woke them. up one morning and they're literally like, yeah, playoff hopes. Who needs them? <laughs> like, let's, 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 throw Wentz back hey, in. we win today and we have a good chance to make the playoffs. Let's start Carson Wentz said no one ever except for Ron Rivera. Unreal. I, I just, and again, like this is a turd franchise, right? Like this is the franchise that has their poop pipes bursting overhead of their fans and like gates falling apart and took me an hour to find my freaking seats, which apparently like one staff member in the entire place knew the staircase I needed to go to, to, to get to the upper level. Dude, you know, you're a loser franchise for those reasons, but also like they're actually on social media posting like clips of like, you're welcome to the Packers. You know what I mean? Like for losing, like, like what? <laughs> Like, I, oh, like, you know, you know, we just needed to lose and the Packers get in. Like, sorry, we couldn't do it, but at least we helped Aaron Rodgers out. Like, what? And you, you can't even call it tanking. Like, you're a, you're a, no, it's just like, what still. are you doing? Like, you were in control <laughs> of the, your situation. You're just like, well, we couldn't get it done, but at least Aaron Rodgers has a chance to now. Like, okay. You know, and Browns are doing the same thing. Browns actual social media tweeted like a, you're welcome to Aaron Rodgers for beating them. Because the Browns are out, right? The Browns right. are out, and they, and they, they tweeted, a, uh, you're welcome to the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers for beating Washington. Like, are you that big of a losing franchise? If totally. Detroit ever did that, I would be so mad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, could you imagine, like, you're at Lambeau waiting for the game to start, and you're scrolling on Twitter, and you're like, Nate Sudfield is starting today? Jared, what? <laughs> you would be so confused. You would not would even probably, know what to do with yourself. I would probably leave. And that's literally what the commanders just did this past week. Unreal. Um, another, another, you know, team who's just making me scratch my head a little bit, and not so much the team in general, but their quarterback. So let me get this straight, right? Derek Carr was like the franchise guy for this team. Through yeah. all of the trials and tribulations, right? Through changes in management, changes in head coaches. Antonio uh, Brown. Antonio. <laughs> this, right, where he has had a bottom 20 defense literally his entire career. And yet he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay with this team. I'm going to, I'm going to be their guy. And I hope that, you know, I get the same like reciprocity back. And you know what? I'm even going to ask them to go sign my best friend from college and make him the highest paid receiver in the NFL so that he and I can play football together again. And then 
not even 365 days after Derek Carr makes that decision, he is now like, all right, I'm going to head out. And I think like it's also because Vegas is treating him poorly. Don't get me wrong. I think they've been treating him poorly. But why was this the year that you decided you've had enough, Derek Carr? I don't under like dev- now you just lock your best friend into a long term deal with a shitty team and you're bailing on him. Like this dude could I, be keeping think, his Super Bowl uh, hopes alive with the Packers right now. I think that there is um much more of a mutual separation right now between the Raiders and Carr than we're realizing. I, I, I think it was almost initiated by they probably came to him and said, listen, we're gonna start, we're gonna start the other guy. And I think he probably took that as, you know, as a competitor, he was like, Are you kidding me? Like I'm your guy. What do you mean? And they were like, No, we're gonna start this other guy. We're gonna go with Jared Stidham. And he probably was like, Okay, well, I'm done. This is the final straw. I think that's more of what probably happened. And then obviously, as you saw, you unfiled them on social media. He wasn't at the game. You know, it's become kind of a shit show in Vegas because of it. I I'm think definitely not mutual. putting I'm not putting it all on car by any means. I think that yeah. there's a lot. And look, the part that confuses me is how you do stick with this team. It's it gives me similar vibes as Baker, but even worse because like like, yeah, like Baker stuck with the crummy Browns team and they kind of stabbed him in the back. Carr has literally been like putting his life on the line for the freaking Raiders since 2014 through some of the worst draft picks ever through so the crazy John coaching situation. I mean, the, the amount of adversity that this dude has overcome with this organization and has still won a pretty decent amount of games. It's just crazy. So best of luck to him for wherever he goes next. Cause honestly, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. And I actually think that he is a decent defense away from being considered a good quarterback. Um, It just sucks for Devante. It sucks. It, a lot of that situation sucks. So sounds like he could probably end up being a Panther, Saint, or Colt. If I had to guess. And as a Saints fan, or who knows, maybe a Jet. Maybe a dude. Actually, I think I think that's the right fit. I think he would be a great Jet. Um, I because I think that Salah is a very stable ship. I think that. Their management is very stable. I think that they're calm and calculated with their drafting decisions as of the past couple of years. And the only thing that that seems very good defensively, pretty decent offensively, and the only thing they're really missing is a competent, stable quarterback with experience. So and uh, as a Saints fan, I'd probably take him over, over, definitely over Dalton and probably over Jameis too. So yeah, you'd be stupid not to try to, take him in. I mean, if you're any team that needs a quarterback, you'd be pretty stupid not to try to get him. I, I, he's the, I think he's better than any rookie you're going to find on the market. You don't have to waste the time to develop, and develop him. I think he's a good guy. He's a good leader. I think he's shown that. He's been through worse than probably anything your franchise is going to put him through. You know, I mean, he went through no, John does Gruden. Does Devontae ask for a trade or try to get out of the contract, potentially? I don't know, dude. That sucks if you're Devontae. Because, I, I mean... Sucks so much. I mean, he, I, although I'll say this, dude. Talk about a guy who has a total awful situation happen to him and goes out and has the game that he had. <laughs> I mean, we, he went nuts three well, times. It's just because he's a competitor and a, a God gifted, talented athlete. And I, I think, think that, yeah, I, I guess think regardless of who's too, throwing dude. the rock his way, that's the case. So, um, and by the way, with that incredible performance, they still lost the game and man, 
Blew another like, blew another 14 plus point lead, dude. Broke the NFL are, record for most. Are, at least for me right now, in this moment, I think the 49ers are my NFC Super Bowl favorite. I like who's beating this team? Like, even with a third string quarterback, like who in the NFC can truly beat this team? They have everything they need on defense, and their offense seemed to have not missed a single beat going down to their third string quarterback. It's just they look so damn good. They looked so good late in the season every season and they're fun to yeah. watch so they're gonna be tough to beat they're gonna be tough to beat but i do think that that they will be beat i just don't know by who <laughs> guess we'll find out yeah. um the seahawks jets this was obviously dis- disheartening to watch as a lions fan um the jets didn't feel in it at any point during this game and uh just watching that go south when you really really needed the seahawks to lose sucked because um, I thought the Jets had way better odds to beat the Seahawks than the Rams do, but that's what we're banking on. Um, but man, what a story that this team might make the playoffs. Like everybody thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league, including myself this season, uh, missing Russ and kind of going into what everybody thought was a rebuild. So hats off to them. They dominated the Jets, and the Jets are not a bad team by any means. So it's a testament of of Pete Carroll's coaching. It's a testament of Geno Smith and how he's prepared his entire league or his entire time in the league, which is a long time for this moment. Um, he's, he's risen to the occasion and you have to give that team credit, man. Like that is not a team. You're right. That anybody thought would be in a situation they're in and they win one more game and they're a playoff team. Let's hope to God they're not though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Packers showing, the most confidence that they've shown all season. I mean, what a redemption for them to go play this team week one and just get absolutely dominated and to come back towards, you know, pretty much the end of the season and just crush them in all three phases. Um, the Packers, in my opinion, this was their best performance of the season. I think that they, yeah. they really made it happen. So how about, uh, you know, obviously the offense function, but I think one, one matchup that stood out this week, and in this game was uh, Jared Alexander against Justin Jefferson, right? In the first game, he had some issues staying with him. Uh, Jefferson had a pretty big game, but this time, I mean, I think he held him under, I think, two or three catches. Um, it was like is, less than 40 yards. He locked his ass down. Top. And, yeah. you know, he hit, he hit the gritty on him uh, after breaking up one of the passes. I just love the competition between those guys and, you know, a rivalry. You know, it seemed you play twice a year. Um, with two of the very best at their position going at it. It's pretty awesome to see. And a little trash talk never hurt anybody. Um, and this time the Packers got the last laugh. And, you know, who knows? Maybe these teams see each other again here in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Also hoping that doesn't happen. But, you know, I think it'd be way cooler for the Lions to bump into them. But we'll see what happens. Um, Rams got dunked on by the chargers but i think that's kind of what i was expecting the chargers are objectively a better team um and they're finally hitting their stride here happy to see them for sure making the playoffs after what happened to them last season um and you know hoping they go on a run right i don't know who they're going to get matched up with but you know if it's the ravens for example which it won't be um uh in the first week but could be later that team man the way that they played I don't know if you watched that game, Mark. Yeah, I saw like, it. Every single Ravens loss this season has kind of had a similar tune to it, where like they come out crushing it in the first half. And the second half, it's like their offense just completely forgets how to score points. 
And they play a pretty consistent form of offense, John. And it either clicks and no one can stop it, or a team figures it out and makes adjustments. And then they don't have they don't have a second option of what to do offensively. They they right. either are going to ground and pound you until the game's over, and they're going to win, and they're going to kick field goals and play good defense and just hope that they have more points than you. Or they're going to have a team figure them out, and then they don't have an answer. They're not going to throw the ball around. They're not. They're not going to pick you apart in the secondary. They're just not going to do it. So you play a team that stops the run, and the Ravens will struggle. Or if you get on top of the Ravens early, they'll struggle. Doesn't matter if Lamar's there. Doesn't matter if it's Huntley. They just don't have the system right now and the quarterback right now. No matter who's playing quarterback for them, on their roster to come from behind and win or to have to win a game in other ways besides just running the ball over and over yeah. again. And and um, like the 49ers get away with that type of football. And right. but here's here's the two big differences. Is one, they're still good for scoring a pretty copious amount of points depending on who they're playing. And two, their defense is rock solid. And I just uh, the Ravens I don't think their defense is like clutch like that. Like the Steelers are not a very good team. And for them the 49ers to, have a better uh, play action game as well. Oh, much better, significantly yeah. better. Um, that's that's a really important point. So, um, it, it was rough, man. Like, <laughs> I just and the fact that like the Steelers are one game away from Tomlin once again having a winning season is crazy too. So, don't um, count these Chargers out, John. Oh, I'm not. I, counting I've the Chargers said that out a few times. They're my they're my team in the AFC. That listen, you Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs have been the talk of the. AFC will mostly just Chiefs and and Bills all year, but then the Bengals have snuck their way into that conversation. The Chargers are like that team that's left out of the group, right? That, that that fourth team that no one's really talking about them in the AFC. They're a dangerous, dangerous matchup for yeah. anyone. They're healthy at the right time, and you perfect. Cannot. Boza coming back. You have, I mean, they're stacked. Derwin James. You have Boza. You have Khalil Mack. Uh, I mean, you have Kenneth Murray at linebacker. You have Asante Samuel Jr. in the secondary. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Justin Herbert has a rocket arm. He can make just about any throw. You got Mike Williams, yeah, who's a matchup nightmare. Eckler, Williams, Allen. Allen. It's a good-ass team, man. So, and a good O-line, too. I mean, people forget about that. Like, the O-line's been improved. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I, if that Chargers defense continues to get better, the offense is, is good enough to beat anybody. I mean, that could be very well could be the Super Bowl team coming out of the AFC. Totally. Um, so usually we kind of go down the list here. Um, and I guess to some degree we can do that, but I actually think cause it's the last week of the season, it'd be more fun to just plug our picks into the playoff calculator and kind of see how that looks down yeah. for it. Let's yeah. do it. All right. So first matchup, we got Casey Raiders. Um, Raiders have nothing to play for are missing their starting quarterback. I, I think Casey, you know, comes home with the win for that one. How about Agreed. you? Agreed. Um, Titans, Jags. I'm gonna go Jags here, which would get. I'm them also gonna go. I'm also gonna go Jags for the vision. Got Ravens, Bengals, and look the way the Ravens have been playing the past few weeks. I don't know if they're gonna get Lamar back this week or not, but I just think Bengals are gonna be the better team. They'll. All they need to do is not even be the better team. They just need to be the better second half team and they'll pull away with it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cincinnati as well. Tampa Falcons, you know, like at least having a winning record and winning the division is respectable. 
So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna um, go Tampa. I'm not so sure on that game, John, because the Bucks are playing for nothing at this point now. Um, and the Falcons, for some odd reason, compete with them. I'm gonna pick Tampa, but would not be surprised if the Falcons steal one there. Yeah, they're definitely going to be resting some guys on on the Tampa Bay side of things, but I still think they're probably the better team. And the Falcons have equally as little to play for right now. Um, Pats, Bills. I think because of the fact that the Bills have absolutely dominated the Pats in the past, like three or four matchups, then I'm going Bills. Yeah, um, I think it's a pretty – I mean, the Bills, with everything that they're going to be playing for as well – you know, they're obviously going to be playing for their for their guy, DeMar. Um, they're going to want to win this one for him. It's a no-brainer. And I just think that, like you said, they match up with the Bills and they just have their number the last few times. But you you give an already really, really good team an extra sense of motivation, like playing for one of your, your guys that, you know, is fighting for his life, you know, um, as he was trying to battle for you guys. You mix that. That's a hard team to beat, man. That's a hard team to beat. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, Vikings bears, I'm going to go Vikings just because it's kind of a throwaway game for both teams. And the bears looked absolutely horrible last week. Um, fields looked banged up too. I, I hope, I mean, it's the end of the season for him. Dude, so they're maybe so banged. The, the, the bears are so banged up. Yeah. Uh, and I feel I bummed even... because like, I, I genuinely hope that, you know, they come back next year and are a little more competitive because I think fields is fun to watch and he kind of gives that team a little bit of a spark. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Colts Texans. That is a garbage matchup for the ages. Texans. I think I'm going to take Texans play with too. More. I think they'll play with more than the Colts. I agree. And I'm pretty sure the Colts are going to be starting Sam Ellinger. I think you're right, actually, because Foles, like, we didn't even talk about that. Do they go back to Matt Ryan? No, no, I, th- I think they'll play. I think they'll play Ellinger. But, like, that, Kayvon doing that whole, like, snow angel thing was, like, people are like, oh, we didn't see it. It's like, this dude is dying literally right next to you. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know that he was, like, hurt hurt but you know i don't know what i'm not gonna look too much into it i mean if you sack the quarterback you do a celebration i don't think he's really in that moment thinking about um oh is the guy behind me okay you know yeah. i don't think he's... i'm just surprised the uh the offensive line didn't like totally like stomp on his ass while he was doing that for as long as he did that's that's i mean yeah i, I mean I, how I much of a connection they... do you have with nick Foles, your quarterback i'm not sure but like still that would that would really get under my skin as a lineman no matter who i was blocking for so yeah i guess and jeff for jeff sorry to say that i mean he's a former i mean he's a hall of fame lineman so I don't know. It's tough to ask the same thing from guy from guys there. I mean, him advocating that they like try to <laughs> kick the shit out of Thibodeau, I think was maybe a step too far. As, yeah. I mean, it, it is like, do you want them to purposely get a 15 hour penalty? Like, I don't know as a coach, what you want them to do there. It's, <laughs> hey, good, good job. Do it. Like yeah. not only letting up a sack for the quarterback, but also causing us an additional. Yeah. It's like, what do you want me to do coach? You're going to yell at me if I, get a team of personal foul you're and then you're also going to yell at me if i let this guy just do a, a a dance like i don't know i think it's been blown out of proportion whatever it was a celebration he sacked the quarterback we see it all the time you know whatever i don't think it was as bad as it, people are saying it was yeah 
Um, Jets, Dolphins. So, again, must-win game for the Dolphins if they want to keep the playoff dreams alive. Um, I think third-string third quarterback probably. Probably. I still think they're the better team, though. So, man, that's tough. I'm going to pick the Jets, John. Um, you can leave it for the playoff calculator. Yeah, I'm just how, curious with it. So that does take them out <laughs> of the playoff and put Pittsburgh in, um, which is interesting. Which is crazy. <laughs> Pittsburgh gets in. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to leave this this Jets one on just to see what happens. There. Because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they're playing. The Dolphins are playing a third string quarterback. The Jets have a good defense. You know, I know the Jets aren't playing for anything now, but I mean. I don't know. No, I I think it could definitely go both ways. Um, I mean, home game advantage, which is big, but yeah, it's definitely not a shoe in. Um, Panthers, Saints. Neither of these teams are playing for anything. Uh, I'm just gonna take yeah, Saints. Some would pick the Panthers, but you can leave it. It doesn't it doesn't affect playoff anything, anyways. Um, I'm gonna pick Steelers because they got something to play for, and the Browns don't. Um, maybe <laughs> I think the Browns beat them. You think they're the better team? Really? I think the Browns' defense against Kenny Pickett. Divisional matchup at Steelers. I and you're I, taking. I know. I think that the Browns. I mean, Deshaun Watson. They're starting to get a little bit of rhythm, and uh, I just I don't trust that Steelers offense. That Steelers offense is very limited. Sure. Pickett though has meant. Pickett to Pickens has been a pretty solid combo for them. Yeah, they're starting to get it up together a little bit, but I just, I mean, they're so limited. They really are. They've improved through the season, though, quite a lot, and they're relying a lot on rookies. So The fact that they're even that. in the conversation is crazy. unbelievable job by Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. I mean, it's a huge testament to what kind of coach Tomlin is. Like, yeah. you got to respect the dude. He is a great, great, great coach. Um, Giants versus Philly. It's a tough one. Without Jalen Hurts. Without Jalen Hurts, but the Giants are not affecting their seeding outcome. Well, it does affect Phillies. Philly, big time. Big time. So I'm going to go Philly. Uh, I'll also go Philly, but I'm not entirely confident in them. I'm really not. Guess we'll see. Guess we'll see. Uh, I think Dallas stomps the Commanders, and they deserve it. Mm, yeah, I think Dallas blows them out. I think Chargers stomp the Broncos, and they deserve it. I agree there. I think San Fran stomps the Cardinals, <laughs> and they deserve it. <laughs> I agree there. <laughs> San Francisco's not out of the one seed, by the way. If they win that game and Philly loses, right? Yep. If they win that game, Philly loses. Because it, it doesn't even matter what the Cowboys do in that situation. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what scares huh. me. How about that? Um, we okay, got to pick the Rams. Yeah, I'm picking Rams just because. I have to pick the Rams. I And I don't think it's impossible. The Rams blew out the Broncos. On Christmas Day, we saw that. We saw what they're capable of doing. They looked really good. And that was a good Broncos defense. Let's not forget that. 
one of the, was, the better defenses in the league that has yeah, not let up was anything close to 50 points an entire I, I'm telling you, dude, I'm telling you, McVay's a good coach. Um, it's a divisional game. They they played close the first time these two teams played. I, it, I'm not going to – it's – it scares me that it's at Seattle. It's that's the part that scares me the most about it. I I would actually feel pretty confident if it wasn't at Seattle. Not so much because LA has a crazy home crowd or anything, just because it's not at Seattle. Um. Oh, also, yeah. really quick, any Lions fan? Because I've heard a couple say shit like this. Any Lions fan that's upset about us rooting for the Rams for drastic reasons, like you're a turd and you have this entire thing backwards. Yes, the, the Rams losing to have a high draft pick for the Lions is awesome. But if their winning is contingent on whether or not the Lions have an opportunity to make the playoffs, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I wouldn't it be mentioning it if I didn't see actual win. tweets. It is <laughs> a win-win, John. It is a win-win. I mean, if Seattle wins, we get a better draft pick. Oh, stop it. But, I mean, stop it, stop it. obviously it's not that big of a win. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're picking Rams, and then I'm, I think we're picking the Lions to rock with Green Bay. As, as scary as that sounds, so because the that two, is a hard game. Uh, and don't be wrong, like all these other matchups have situations revolving around seeding, but it seems like the two big games here that matter a lot as far as teams actually getting in are the Dolphins and Jets and Green Bay and the Lions. So like if you and the switch. Right. Well, the Steelers, the Steelers, I think, will beat the Browns, but I guess we're not on the same page. There. I'm not sold on that, John. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm just going to say Jets win, Lions win. This is what you're looking at playoff-wise. You got Buffalo at the second seed, assuming that they don't have an opportunity to rematch the Bengals, which is, or as Mark likes to say, the Bengals. I saw some dudes on TikTok making fun of you for that. I don't know if you noticed those comments. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, Bengals, like... Bangles, bangles, banglays. Yeah, the uh, TikTok uh, typing automatically put it as like B A N G L E S. So I was taking some shit. Whatever, dude. Like, if that's what you're on the internet trolling people to do, you're probably a loser. I, I think both of us, unfortunately, have pretty like prominent like Midwestern. Like, I don't even know if you want to call it an accent. I don't think it's really an accent. It's just like kind of. We say some words wrong. It's especially prominent. Wrong. You say Falcons, which I've always thought was interesting. Falcons. Yeah, I guess yeah, you're right. I've always said Falcons. But, you know, I don't know. People can argue about it all they want. I, whatever. You know what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just the way people talk. All you people from the South, right? You have your own weird way that you say a bunch of things. Um, people from California sound like a bunch of surfers all the time. People from the East Coast sound like they're mad most of the time. Like, just happens. I don't know. It happens, John. I, I leave I, Mark uh, alone. <laughs> yeah, quit bullying you guys on my TikTok. <laughs> um, I I kind of really want the Eagles to lose because I don't want to play the 49ers in the first round. I'd much rather Dallas. that. I'd much rather that. I'd much rather that too. Um, would feel like redemption from. The playoff matchup like a decade ago that still crushed my soul. Um, and also, I think they're much more beatable, right? I think if our defense plays just marginally better against Dallas's offense that we did uh, last time we matched up, we win that game. So. Dude, if we if we play the 49ers, they're going to rush for 400 yards against us. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not an like, understatement. That's not, that's not good. 
Yeah, probably the only uh, team in the entire NFC that uses play action better than the Lions do. Um, and that's the only good. team in the NFC that I'm legitimately scared of. Yeah, that's I, I legitimately think we can Lions beat. have no chance. Yeah, I think we could beat literally every other team. I, I don't disagree with you, Mark. I really don't. Hmm. Now, is there can the Eagles win? And is there any other situation? No, I don't think no, so. Because no. Yeah, it, it literally the just Eagles clinch the top seed if they win. Yeah. So on this side, if the of Giants, things, right? if the Giants win, John, if the Giants win, does what is it? Does it change their seed? No. Not at all. No, they have they have no nothing to play for necessarily. It doesn't change their seeding because they're not going to win the division. Mm. So that's very good. interesting. Very interesting. Um, all right, I think that wraps it up for this episode. You know, we solid hour and a half here, um, and you know, covered quite a bit. It will be really exciting because next week when we meet, not only do I believe we'll have uh, another um guest that is in the league but also uh it will be you know end of week 18 there'll be a lot to recap and there will be looking forward to the playoffs after that which is very yeah. exciting if, so uh if you don't follow us on social media okay tiktok instagram twitter uh subscribe to our youtube right now is a very good time to do that because we're just gonna it's just gonna pick up more and more as we get into the playoffs national championships coming up i mean we have a lot of stuff coming here. Um, we're going to be posting more on YouTube with shorts, uh, which if you don't know what that is, it's essentially like TikTok, uh, but on YouTube. Um, I just found out what that was from John. I'm a boomer, I guess. Yeah, um, but like you should watch the shorts over the TikToks because they pay YouTubers more to do that. So, you know. Yeah, but whatever you, you know, whatever, just watch it on. There's going to be a lot of content coming out. Um, and uh, we are excited about that. And this is probably like the best time of year for football. If you're a fan of any team, and we're just we're gonna be we're gonna love talking about everything. Expect some cool content coming from uh, from me as I'm in Green Bay, Friday through Sunday, um, getting a tour of the facility and stuff. I'm hoping to video that, take some pictures. Um, you know, enemy enemy in, in 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 enemy territory, John. They might not even they're sure they should let what, me in. What's the fit gonna be, by the way? Like you, got, like you got like a, a Hutchinson jersey. Like what's going on? I don't have a Hutchinson jersey. I think uh, I think I'm gonna wear some Detroit gear for sure. Um, I think I'm just gonna blend in and wear some Pistons stuff. And you know, it'll be known that I'm from Detroit. Um, but I want to blend in and see if I can sabotage them in any way possible. Oh, sabotage! Got it. Yeah, you should I go mean, replace their grass field with a turf field, like prank them. Um, yeah, that'd be smart. Uh, I'll like, be in there. You get in there a couple no days in advance. Like you could, I don't know, big enough of a team, you can pull it off. Yeah, I'll be in their locker room. So, um, you know, who knows if I get creative enough? Uh, if I can give the Lions any upper hand at all, I don't know if that's going to be allowed. I'm sure, they'll be monitored pretty closely. But I don't know. I'm going to enjoy my my time in there in Titletown, and the entire time I'm just going to be thinking about how cool it's going to be to see that place turn into a really sad, sad town instead of a happy town. Yeah, I think it's going to be electric regardless of the uh, the Rams-Seattle outcome. So hope you have a blast there. Definitely send updates. And as Mark said, plenty of like, you know, more tidbit 
entertaining content to, to come along all of this long form stuff that we are doing as well. So we appreciate everybody listening and everybody that's been with us on this regular season journey. Uh, the regular season will be over when we see you next week. It's just been cool. We've seen nothing but growth. We've had some awesome guests on. Um, I'm going to consider this first regular season with the practice squad podcast, a smashing success. And we are looking forward uh, to seeing what's to come. So thanks again for everybody listening. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Peace. Go Lions.